You're listening to Plus or Minus with Nathan, Frank, and Greg Moore. Gregory Moore. We're back again, Frank. It's the Plus Minus Playoff Preview Edition, uh, or the Plus Minus Postseason, no, Regular Season Wrap-Up Edition. There you go. On the second try, you got it. Something like that. How you been, old mate? There's been a lot happening in our lives. You know, life is busy. I was in uh, Pennsylvania last week. What? Last week. Pennsylvania, the home of the Amish. What for? And God knows that their haircuts are terrible. Still. Bowl cuts, bowl cuts don't look good to anybody. Wait a minute. The Amish or the Pennsylvanians? The Amish. Oh, I thought you were picking on the Pennsylvanians. Those Pennsylvanians, they got their uh, heads in the mud. Hey, I got to ask you a question before you dive into those haircuts. Are you drinking? I'm drinking a uh, Rogue Shakespeare oatmeal stout. Shakespeare was kind of a rogue, wasn't he? Shakespeare was uh, was definitely a rogue. He so, was uh, one of the. He was a big voice when it came to modern liter- literature. Get out of here! Who cares about Shakespeare? Just kidding. For all you listeners that really like Shakespeare, I'm a big fan. Read all of his books, uh, Macbeth and whatever else. The, Midsummer Night and Stream was yeah, his best. Wounds over my hammy and Hamlet and things like that. So, dude, I met I met a Bernie Sanders supporter in Pennsylvania, and she was a radical. She was saying that the United States. Uh, political system needs to be it needs to be reformed that the two-party system doesn't work she went off on me for 40 minutes and you listened to the stranger what was well she was talking about bernie trump or bernie bernie sanders i'm all about bernie sanders (laughs) how many of those shakespeare's have you had you radical hey well you know i get mixed up between the two uh outside the establishment candidates so did you have a good time frank well i had a great pretty good time and uh apparently Donald Trump is going to win Pennsylvania. That's why I was saying I don't like I don't like those Pennsylvanians, those assholes. What are you worried about? Trump's a prick. Oh, you, this guy's a prick who you've never met. I get it. Well, I've heard him say lots of bigoted bigoted uh, statements. Well, have you been listening to this podcast for the past three seasons? There's been a couple of things that we've said too, Frank, that aren't very popular. Yeah, but we're uh, we're on the underground. We're an underground show. There, the law doesn't apply to us. Well, I like the way you think. We are kind of rogues, eh, Shakespeare, you and me? Yeah, What? okay, tell me about your life. I told you I was in Pennsylvania. Okay, so here's my thing. So we just had a provincial election here. I'm not going into it because you don't tune into this podcast to hear me talk politics. But what happened was uh, last Friday, April Fool's, believe it or not, I was booked for a head surgery that morning. Now, a head surgery? What the hell? What's wrong with your head? <laughs> head surgery, April Fool's. Yeah, I got this giant lump <laughs> growing over my lymph node. Good Lord, that's not funny. Well, what was worse was they're like, yeah, we'll have it out on April Fool's. You can come in at 930. So I get to the, air, uh, the hospital, and th- th- let me tell you, that's a depressing place for all of us who have sick people. Uh, I never want to go back, <laughs> ever. Like, I could barely make it through the ticket line to get signed up for this place without feeling bad. Get used to it, Greg. It's all downhill from here. Oh, One day you will die. I'm investing big in science, hoping they figure that and out. And I won't be at your funeral because I'll probably die before you. A side note, I think I might record like a funeral video that kind of tells everyone to, to relax and that just kind of cracks a couple jokes. But anyway, so I get into this this hospital, my first ever surgery. So admittedly, I'm a little bit nervous. So I get into this surgery room, 
And this woman starts reading my reading my rights, saying like, you know, you you got to do this, you got to clean your wound and do this and do this. Like, do you have any final wishes before we get into this thing? And I'm like, am I gonna put out? Like, am I unconscious? They're like, no, it's day surgery. They're just gonna freeze the area. I'm like, hold on, you're gonna freeze my head and not put me out? I'm like, yes. I'm like, hold on again. So I'll be conscious, and you'll be digging around in there with with stencils and scalpels and tools and drills and all that sort of stuff. But like, yes. Frank, did they give you some morphine? No, no. So they get me to take my clothes off, which was weird. They didn't freeze the area. And no, here's what happened. So I lay down on my face. They're like, "Hey, pull, grab this pillow." This doctor, Doctor Suf, comes in and starts <laughs> stabbing my 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 giant lump. Say like, "Yeah, we're gonna freeze this. I'll see you in five to ten minutes." So I'm figuring to myself, "Oh, well, it doesn't feel very frozen, but whatever." So, so, you you're, so it was painful. Well, I mean, it was a needle. Yeah, a couple of them, I think. You know when you go to the dentist and they kind of come back and they poke and prod around and say, like, can you feel that? Uh-huh. Nothing. Nada. Nothing. No, they, was, they came back. Easy, eh? They came back, tossed on the stuff, took out the tools and started cutting. The next thing I know, and I'm not kidding, I can hear what I believe to be my flesh being cut open in my head. And I'm asking myself, hey, self. Are they cutting your head open right now? So this was like on, like on your in your hairline. Yeah. Like hair. Oh okay. yeah. And but you didn't feel anything. Nothing. Thank God. I mean, I would have screamed, man. And so all I hear is like these tools, like these scissors going, and they're pulling and twisting, and I'm like, what is this? Was there a saw? No, there was no saws. And then Dude. you know, the next thing I know, seven minutes later, the guy's pulling off his gloves, and I'm like, that's a sign that he's finished. And, <laughs> and he was done. Dude, you you got You have to embrace these moments. When I had my wrist, I had a wrist surgery, and they stuck a screw in my wrist to, you know, so that it would, uh, it fix the bone. Right. And uh, they played this funky music. They gave me some drugs. I I, just, I enjoyed the whole experience. I was hopped up. Yes, the guy on LSD is telling me like <laughs> embrace the moment here. No, I got none of that, Frank. Sorry, like no rose colored glasses for me. Jeepers! They're hacking and saw my head. I got to see the thing they pulled out. I was like, well, that looks unfortunate. They're like, yeah, it's probably not cancerous. Relax. You know? Then I... My it was mo- benign. Yeah, I think so. I'll find out. But what's, someone- another, what's another way you can use the word benign? Man... So you got a benign tumor? You got a benign testicle? Like a benign... Uh, what do you have? A, a benign uh, eyeball? You like, a benign what? wrist shot. It just, benign- it's just terrible. <laughs> I have benign moves on women. Like, I'm just <laughs> useless at putting moves on the women. This, Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. This <laughs> this food tastes benign. <laughs> we should try that, bring that back or something. You know? Well, I think not bring it back. We need to bring it up. Oh! Make it current. Man, I'm feeling pretty benign tonight. Must be that head surgery. <laughs> so that's my big story. Outside of the fact that, you know, my piano students were just here and I still hate them. <laughs> Like nothing makes you want to choke slam kids more. Well, than... children don't have souls. Like they, they, their, their brains aren't developed. So yeah. They honestly, like they have no souls or manners, Frank. Don't sit on the table. Children don't are so stab sociopaths. each other with pencils. Don't lie to me and don't steal my stuff. They're sociopaths. They have no soul. Now, before we get into the hockey here, here's my question: Are children actually like this, or are modern children like this? Oh, I think I think that we were sociopaths when we were children too. 
we didn't. I mean, I, I think that we. I think part of it is you're raised better. We were raised better, so like we we feared our we feared our parents. Yeah, because they could wanted to do well. Any minute. I think they put the fear of God in us. They they they. Uh, I think they implanted a morality in us that some of these children may not have. But when you don't have that, that's when you get sociopaths. Yeah, now they just implant iPads in kids. Like I remember my dad. I was lipping off my dad one night. I'm probably 14 years old, and he says. Get in the car and shut up. And I'm like, no, I, I'm a teenager. I can hold my own, Dad. And so I push him, kind of jokingly, but kind of benign. Th- did that work? No. <laughs> it was a benign push into the, into the van. My dad turns around and strokes me in the skull, and I collapse into a heap in the snow, screaming, being like, oh, my goodness, I can't feel my head. And he looked down at me and said, I told you to get in the van. Now get in the van. That would have like, ruined his ministry if, if, if that happened today. And I'm like, this guy's the best. You know? Like nothing makes you respect your dad more than getting stroked in the skull. That made you like him? You respect him? I respected the guy, of course. <laughs> you can't I, disrespect that. I think if I got hit in the skull by my father, I'd probably not be happy about it. I wasn't happy, but I'm 14. I know, I know I'm an idiot. You know, I'm just trying to get some. I'm just trying to get my like my manhood on, and the guy strokes me in the head. Was, was there like, a, where's, a good was dad? There, was there a point where you got you became stronger than your father? You know what? There was almost there was <laughs> almost a point. <laughs> so you, know, you did that never happened. For those for those of the fans of the show, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not a big work. I don't work out a lot. You know, I, I set up for a gym in April. Wait a minute, April in March. I've been four times. Uh, I've been debating with myself all day whether to go tomorrow or not. But uh, there was a time where I was – I would just have these moments where I would try and take my dad down, hey, and just like pin him and, and have that baton be passed. And I remember distinctly there was one time – he had beat me five times over the course of my entire life. And there was this one time where you know he was like sleeping. And I'm like, this is my moment. I'm going to strangle this man to death and take my rightful throne. And so I hop on the guy. And I grab him into a sleeper hold, and we're on the ground, and I'm so close. Like, he, he didn't expect it, hey? So I'm, like, choking the life out of this man. And I'm like, I got him, finally. And he knows it's coming. So I start yelling, Mom, Mom, come here. Mom, I'm about to be the man. And from the middle of nowhere, this old man strength just entered the room, and my dad ripped <laughs> my hands off. And, like, I heard this incredible growl, and he turned at me, and he took me, and he slammed me on my neck, and then took my feet over my head so I couldn't breathe, and he said, who's the man? And I I couldn't talk. And he keeps got strong forearms. Oh, yeah. He's like, who's the man? And I'm like, Dad, I can't talk. And he's like, say it. Say submit. And then I'm like, I can't talk. And then I'm about to pass out and, you know. He lets me go, and I say submit, and he says, how many times have I beat you now? <laughs> I'm like, six. You suck. And he's like, he just starts laughing. My dad rules. I had a moment where uh, when I was about 15, and my dad had come off a few hip replacements, and uh, I had a conversation with Byron about uh, who was tougher, me or dad, and I said, come on, Byron. I'm like, I, all I have to do is knock this guy over, and I'll break his hip. <laughs> And then I have him. Isn't it funny and that we think that stuff? And then Byron's like, well, he's got old man strength. I've seen how, t- how, how strong he is when he has, to turn a, he has to turn a bolt. I turn it as much as I can, and then he turns it. He turns it like one 
one full turn. That's how he's got old man strength, Nathan. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, old man strength's the thing. I experienced it firsthand. So, for the record, I'll, I'll honor my father and tell me he has beat me six times to none. I still, I'm 30 years old. I own a house, and I still have not beat my my father. And I think that uh, that will never change. You just gotta wait like 10 to 15 years when he'll be like a senior citizen, and then you just tackle the hell out of him, break they break his bones, and then I'll be like, yeah. Who's Can benign find, now, Dad? Confine Larry to a wheelchair. Then you'll be like, I'm the boss. <laughs> you know, and he'll just like spit on my shoes and be like, you're nothing. You're nothing. <laughs> he's got a hold over you. He's uh, he's my favorite person in the world. I love you, Dad. He gave you life. Yeah, and yeah, he'll take it away according to him too. So uh, that's why I behave to this day. So, Frank, this is a hockey podcast, and it's my favorite thing to do to talk to you. It is. Uh, we have a lot. To, we have a lot to get through. We here. got a lot, and I know that the fans were complaining last time. So, if you want to complain this time, at Sir Greg Moore, at Nathan Frankster on Twitter, the uh, they said, "Hey, Frank, you didn't give it your best effort, and neither did you, Moore. They were all over us. So we uh, we went to the library, the public library, and hit the books. I was reading about the." Uh, 1951 Stanley Cup final where the Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Detroit Red Wings. Like, and, we're uh, bringing it. Gordie Howe had a real bad Stanley Cup final. Yeah, like, we, we realized that not everyone can have a podcast. But we can. Yeah, because we're up to snuff. Yeah, because we snuff it up, you know? And so sure. we, we got credentials here to get a podcast, and we're going to use it to our advantage. So uh, without further ado... Welcome to the season preview for our man. I screwed that up. Playoff preview. Come there on, we go. Craig. I got that. What's your first topic here, Frank? What do you want to talk about? We, we got a plethora of things. Let's hold off the, uh, Let's the predictions the, until the end. Let's start with the worst topic. Okay. That you, that you gave me is Datsuk's legacy tarnished. Yeah. So, and if you didn't hear this, Pavel Datsuk has basically admitted that after his long career, he's actually he's got one year left on his contract. And he's he's skipping. He's going to go play in the KHL. So I saw a lot of the uh, the used to be big dogs talking about this on Twitter. And when I say big dogs, I mean Is that like, Bob McKenzie. Yeah, like the TSN Sportsnet guys or the writers or whatever talking about. One of them said, "Yeah, it's tarnished," and the other everyone else jumped on him and said it's not. And I thought I would ask the question, like, what do you think, Frank? Do you think that this him leaving early changes how you view him? I bet you, Damian Cox and. Dave Naylor were probably all over him because they're a bunch of losers. Uh, I don't think there's a chance that Datsuk's legacy is tarnished. Obviously, if he played for another three or four years, played until he was 40, he'd have over 1,000 points probably in one more year. and That would help his legacy, but it's not tarnished. This guy won three Selkie trophies. He's known as being one of the best two-way player of his generation. He's yeah. going to go to the Hockey Hall of Fame, and it doesn't matter that he leaves now. And he's given... The Detroit Red Wings, what, 15 years of great uh, – of about 10 years of being a superstar and 15 years of his career. Now, yeah, his, his career is not tarnished. I'm going to cut you off because you're wrong. There's no way that you can leave your contract without some sort of tarnish how on often, your career. How often do teams buy out players? You mean buy out players? It happens all the time. That's yeah, not, that's not well, a tarnish. Is it a two-way street, or is, is there some sort of double standard here, you son of a gun? What do you mean it's a double standard? You can't sign a contract, Frank, and say, hey, I'm not going to honor this last year because I'm kinda, I am kind of miss my daughter. I'm going back to Russia. So so teams can just not honor contracts? You sign someone for seven years, you cut them off after three? No, no, no. They fulfill the contract because the contract is about, about being paid. 
They don't even pay them out in full. They pay like half their contract. No, the guys get paid in full. Ah, Look it up, Frank. The guys get paid in full. What is, what's going on over there? I accidentally dropped my headset. Wow, you got real riled up about that, didn't you? I think I was scratching the inside of my ear. It was a little itchy. You got a benign itch in there. I'm Here's what I'm saying. I'm pretty sure I need to go to the doctor and uh, get him to clear up my benign uh, wax in my ears. Pavel Datsuk, great career, fantastic player, one of the all-time greats. There's no way that you can leave this contract and it not change something. Kovalchuk left left in the middle of his contract. Yeah, I'm out. See you later. That changed things. People, yeah, leave, people don't sign with of- teams that they're supposed to sign with, and we hold it against them. Hey, Kyle Turris. And we, that contract and like, was a joke. Great. I'm saying you got to honor the contract. Like, don't piss around and say that like, ah, I'm not happy about it. And I missed my daughter. I get that, but you missed her for the past eight years. Honor your contract. He's a human, Greg. He's flesh and blood. Frank, I don't disagree with the fact that he's going to go do this, and I support family over sport. But oh, what I'm saying shit. is, but what I'm saying is. There's no way that I can view him at 100%. I have to take him at 98%. There's 2% tarnish on I top think, of that. I think what Datsuk should do is he should just quit. He should just retire, not play at all. With, I don't think it would count against his cap. I think it would only – actually, maybe it would. If he plays in the KHL, obviously, then it doesn't look as good, though, right? Uh-huh. I can't believe you're just giving this guy a free pass. Like, yeah, cool, man. Like, you want to cancel? See you later. Like the CDs next year. Like, yeah, we're done. Sorry. Like, well, that doesn't change things for you, Frank, when it comes to a little bit more personal like that? I, w- I don't care. What? I don't that, care that? about those damn Sedins. Yeah, you do. Don't lie to me. Like you're just, trying, just... To, you're trying to numb that pain, Frank. I don't, want, I, don't want, I don't want to talk about the Canucks. All right. Well, let's talk about something else. Alexander Ovechkin, if you weren't watching the news last night, scored a hat trick to make 50 goals in the season. Two nights ago. Was it two nights ago? Saturday night, I think it was. Jeepers, I have no idea what day I'm in. So Ovechkin scores 50 again for the seventh time in his career. What does that make him? It makes him join an elite club along with Wayne Gretzky and Mr. Mike Bossy. But he did it in the lowest scoring era of NHL history. That may not may not be true, but a much lower scoring. No, era it's true. Than Gretzky's and Bossy's. It. I mean, you're talking about before the lockout. Well, I'm I'm just thinking there were some years probably in the glory years uh, from like 50 to 70s, probably where there were some low scoring years. So I I don't know if I can make the statement that it's the lowest scoring era of all time. Okay, I'm cutting you off. It is is freaking incredible that this guy has scored 50 goals seven times when I've got goalies the size of like mech warrior robots in the net. Like he's by far the greatest goal scorer that we have ever seen play in the NHL, bar none. And he does it at will. I mean, he about a, a couple of weeks ago, the guy had 42 goals. He was stuck. He didn't score goals for like 10 games. And then he just starts turning it on. He needs three goals in two games in his last two regular season games. He scores a hattie. The guy is a legend. You, I'm with you. I love you Alexander Ovechkin. Like, there's no I, love that... seeing, I love seeing players that dominate. I love seeing the most incredible players put up the numbers. You I and get, I have become I get a little bit now. of a, a turn on from it. Oh, <laughs> we're not going there, Frank. We're not. No, going we're there. not going there. Just I told myself sp- we're not going there. 
we'll just move on. Do you uh, like? Do you agree that he's the greatest goal scorer of all time? Well, I think he's 30 years old, so I think it's a bit early. I mean, I would love, I would love to see him get another another 50 goal season. Who's who's better than him, Frank? Like, don't say Gretzky, because like I saw, I saw a photo because you know they're thinking about changing the goalie equipment again next year to make it smaller. You can't. The thing is, you can't say that Pavel Bure was a better goal scorer because he he played, he had he had some 60 goal seasons. He had a 50 a few 59 goal seasons, but he didn't play it. As long as a veteran, veteran's done it for a longer period of time. So you got to put him a t- ahead of him. Uh, I'm trying. I'm just thinking the '90s, '80s, '80s. You have Brett Hall. Brett Hall's. Yeah, but I got goalies the size of hippopotamus in the net, Frank. But he did. But Brett Hall sco- scored 85 goals. He scored 70. You're plus. telling me if Ovechkin was back in the '90s or the '80s or the '70s with goalies as bad and as small as they were, that this freak wouldn't light it up. He wouldn't have as good as sticks. No, he wouldn't have as good as sticks. We can acknowledge that. He wouldn't have as good equipment. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I I think no, it's not. Just say this: he's the greatest goal scorer of all time. It's easy. Well, I think he's better than Mike Bossy, and Mike Bossy probably gets a lot of credit for being the best of all time. He's well, scored a lot of goals mustache. in a short period of time. I but, saw Bossy a couple of years ago. That guy's got a great mustache. He's a mustache, Mike oh, Bossy. Oh yeah. <laughs> I saw three of the uh, three of the best Islanders of all time. They were all hanging out with. Uh, Are you sure you're guys? not getting mixed up with Brian Trache? Oh yeah, I am. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think Mike Boss. He's kind of effeminate. I don't think, and I don't think he has any facial hair. The Trotch has a great mustache. We we to call me on that, Frank. <laughs> well, I know my Mike Bossies. Oh man, Mike. Oh, there he is. I just looked him up on my uh, on my computer here. I was way off. <laughs> It's it's man, it's hard it's hard to talk about when you have all these different eras. Like we have Phil Esposito scored seventy plus goals in the mid seventies, but that but that NHL was just like it was like worse than Rambler hockey. Yeah, I'm telling you. Hockey. It was and pretty fast. Speaking of the Eston Ramblers, one of the greatest senior hockey franchises of all time. If if you've never been to a game in Eston, Saskatchewan, get out there. Blue linebacker the will impress you. And uh and they're they're big like they got a big following out there. But uh, Johnny Meyer left, so I mean that town is going to fall apart. I well, think. Well, we'll see. Them. I I, I believe in good things. There's always hope. So they still got mooks. I uh, I got to confess something to you, Frank. Okay. I'm not playing winter hockey or summer hockey this year. What are you uh, going to do instead? Play some tennis. I'm tennis playing, is a lot of fun. This where you're going to make fun of me. I'm playing uh, dodgeball. Ultimate frisbee. Uh, okay. And what other options did you have? All of them. I could have so, played golf, tennis. I could have played lawn bowling. Well, I think you should have played tennis. The problem with tennis is you have to find opponents. Uh, that's my my difficulties. I have a hard time finding people to play with. But it's the best game. I love so, tennis. I just I just needed some cardio, and so I went with the ultimate frisbee. And I thought, hey, how bad could it be? I think it's a, that was a good decision because you, you take a break from hockey, and in the fall, your love will be that much stronger. I distance, think so. Distance uh, shows how strong a love is. Absence it makes the, the heart it makes fonder. the heart grow fonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm with you. Okay, so we we we're a little bit off on the Ovechkin thing. You think he's the best of all time? I say, I don't have a good argument. To no, you you said you didn't say anything. You said, yeah, I got to compare, like all those analysts do, who have no have no spine or opinion. Hey, I I take that personally. I have a spine. I have an opinion. Yeah, you do. You run this show. That's why people keep tuning in. So I would love to see him get a couple more 50-goal seasons. Could you imagine if, if he matches If he Gretzky? has two more 50-goal seasons, he's going to be close to 700. 
and he'll be 32 years old. <laughs> it's, it's wild to think about. Like he, <laughs> he legitimately can do that. Hey, on that. I, team. I don't. I don't know if he can get 50. I mean, if he gets 50 next year, then all he needs is to do it one more time. I mean, it, at, at, at this point, it's all gravy. I mean, well, next year lot, the goal not, there's change, not a lot right? of goal scorers that are scoring 50 after 30. Uh, what was it? Uh, Kane almost got 50 this year. He got 46. Yager in that lock, he came uh, played in 2005 right after the lockout. He scored 50 plus goals when he was 34, 35 years old. Wild. But that was a strange year, a real weird year. The production's never been that high since, or even before that. Weird year. Lots of penalties being called. Lots of power play goals. But nonetheless, pretty impressive. So one thing I want to talk about, there's a lot of, believe it or not, there's a lot of Canadians uh, that watch and listen to this show. And, Probably exclusively. Uh, in, no, not exclusively. We got at least one in South Korea waiting to hear us talk about the Ducks. That's true. We got uh, the Oilers, Frank. So the Oilers, once again, uh, finished near the bottom of the league. This year they finished second last uh, after drafting the league-leading, uh, almost, points per game. Um, Connor McDavid in the top three. I think he was number two, actually. And it's uh, 1.09 or 07, something like that. So he had, he had 48 points in 45 games. Very impressive. I mean, you can't argue that, right? For like, a rookie, for crying out loud. For, for a rookie. And so we all thought, you know, is this the year? Is Connor McDavid the, the savior of uh, the others? And it turns out, well, he can't fix uh, systemic gross problems. So they're second well, last again. So you're the Oilers. Shirelli has promised us changes. What do you do? I listened to the interviews of Shirelli, and I listened to the uh, part of the interview with uh, McLennan. And here's the thing. Shirelli didn't admit that this team had just insurmountable injuries, injuries that most teams wouldn't be able to recover. First off, their defense is already thin. Then they lose Clefbaum. They lose Clefbaum's first or second best defenseman. And then they lose Davidson, who's was – he was surviving as a top four defenseman. Yeah, he was having a good important, year. Important top four, four defenseman. They lose both of these guys. They yep. bring in they bring in Nurse, who they wanted to play in the AHL the whole season. They bring in Reinhardt, not ready for the NHL, and they were still playing tight most of the year. They were they stumbled at at some point, got around below about six six below uh, five hundred. And here's the thing: if this team would have stayed healthy. They would have been close to the playoffs. They probably would have had about 90 points. They, they probably would have been in, ahead of Minnesota. Shirelli never admitted this, but in, in, in the McLennan interview, that's the first thing he admits. He says, we've had a lot of progress. We weren't healthy. That, I, I, think that's, I think that's the factor here. This team was playing quite good before McDavid. It, when McDavid was hurt, they played quite well without those defensemen. So what you're telling me is it's not as bad as it looks, Edmonton. No, this was a better year for them. And and if they get a defenseman or two, which they, they will, they'll probably trade for at least one. This team's going to be in the playoffs next year for sure. Wow. Bold statement of the day, Frank. It's, it's not that bold. Every team needs – if you don't have defensemen to get your team the puck, you're going to struggle. No, no, no. It's bold because you guaranteed them in the playoffs when like the entire Central Division could have made the playoffs this year. Well, Minnesota stunk. San Jose is on the down. Thor- Thornton had a, a, a great year of rebound years, 82 points. Awesome. But this team is not getting better. You know who else El- had a great year? Number Ooh. six in points, Joel Favalski. Yes, he also had a good year. But there's there's room there, is what I'm saying. 
So you're saying they could challenge for a playoff spot next year? Well, the Canucks and Calgary, Arizona, also they're not, not playoff they're, teams. That's my point. Point is, there, there's room. Yeah, there's, there's, room, there's room not in the playoffs either, too. There's room to be competitive. They're gonna, they're just gonna get better. Oh, I know man. there's, I know there's lots of negativity around this team, and there's, it's a losing culture. All this bullshit coming from the East, coming from TSN. But the truth is, is that this team will get there, and and the, the, when they arrive, they're not just going to be a playoff team. They're Do you know how long we've been waiting, three. Frank? Well, they, they, I think they made Almost some progress. Almost a decade. Do you disagree? No, I'm, but I could roll a dice and have better luck than the Oilers, man. When it comes to having a team that's successful on the ice. Well, they they had some stupidity in the management. I mean, McTavish went went to university for seven years and got got a master's in whatever. Probably probably thought he was an athlete, so he could just pay for his degree or paper bag science. Kevin Lowe clearly is a moron. Yeah. So finally, they hired Ke- Ke- what Eakins, Dallas Eakin. Great hair. And he he totally butchered that team. Well, I mean, like he is a great interview though. <laughs> I, I told you I ran into him at a triathlon. No, you and, uh, didn't. I ran into him in Quebec when I was there. What? Uh, I was at Mount Tremblant, and um, hanging out at the bottom of the hill, just went on a hike. Tweakins? Tweakins? Yeah, a few minutes later, I went on a hike, and I was that's why I was there. And I I see that there's this uh, big, the starting point for the uh, for the triathlon, and he's there to support his wife. I'm Tell just, me I'm you chatted him up, though. I'm, I'm, I'm two feet from him. I'm just staring at him. If, if I would have known he would have been, he was going to be such a terrible coach, I would have probably laid into him, like I did Henry Burris when he left Saskatchewan in two thousand four. What are you making like a CFL football reference on this show? Yeah. Okay. Did you talk to Dallas Eakins, or did you just gonna tell me that you were close to him and smelled his hair? I just looked at him, man. He was. Kind oh of- come on, Frank! You're so close. He reminded me of like Brandon Shanahan. He had this mystique. More actually, a better mystique would be a. Uh, a comparison to Steve Eiserman. You told me you met him at uh, some sort of Team Canada event. Boy, Stevie, why? And you said you 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 kind of you kind of got nervous, and clammed up, your mouth got dry. Yeah, when I was thirteen. No, you were like twenty-two. I smelled his hair. You're right. You smelled his hair. Just <laughs> snuck up behind him. Oh yeah, I did. Hair. I got right in there. <laughs> that guy's clean as clean as whatever you can imagine. So you didn't yeah. talk to Eakins. No, Dallas Eakins, though, man, he had this. He has that hair, hey? Oh yeah, he's a good-looking guy. <laughs> he's got this like arrogance about him that he thinks he's like good-looking or just something. Because, just because you're good-looking doesn't make you arrogant. Let me tell you that first off. It doesn't make you a good coach. No, we learned that. So you think make... the Oilers are making the playoffs next year? That's what I'm saying. But I think what we really need to get into is what they need to do to act to make the playoffs next year. Wow, they got to move mean, out every... some of these guys. Yes, yeah. Everyone's talking about how they need to move out some of these core players, these these passengers that are. Stuck in mediocrity. Who do you think they need to trade? Well, do I? Th- those are two questions here. Do you? Th- who do I? Are they? Do I think they need to trade, or who are they going to trade? Who do you think they should trade? They should get rid of Neil Yakupov, and they will. They should get rid of Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and they will. And they should get rid of Jordan Eberle, and they will. Good lord, man! And there's a question. This is this would be crazy to me. You are slow to lunch. There's people telling me that they should get rid of Taylor Hall, and they might. Good lord, man! You are ridiculous. If yeah, if you don't want them to make the playoffs ever, get rid of all their talented forwards, like you just suggested. Get rid of them. 
<laughs> no. Ship him out. First off, you don't get rid of T- Taylor Hall. No, I don't. I don't agree that they get rid of Taylor Hall. He's a powerhouse in front. He, he's one of front. the best. One of the best wingers in the league, according to my buddy Reese. So he's, he's uh, a big he's body. Wrong. He's a big body, which they want. They don't want to be screwed around. They might sell him, Frank. The guy gets no credit. I'm I'm on the fence when it comes to getting rid of Nuge. This guy is a two-way player. Get rid of the guy. He's unhealthy he, all the time. He still gets some value. He does look like he like he, he does look like he has bulimia. There's no doubt about that. He's got some value. Get rid of the guy. You got to get rid of Yak. He's he's damaged goods. And I'm telling you, Eberle will get you the highest return. So you get rid of him. You want a real defenseman? Trade Jordan Eberle. Here's what it comes down to: If they somehow fluke out this lottery again. And get Austin Matthews, then they get rid of. Like I'm they, so they get, tired of talking about this. They definitely, if they if they somehow fluke it out, they definitely trade one or Nuge or or Drysaddle. If they don't draft Matthews, they'll probably draft one of those Finnish wingers. In that case, they could probably trade Eberly and Yak, or at least two out of the three. Trade Eberly, Yak, or that high pick. And then they should be able to get the defenseman from somewhere. I mean, they have to do a three-way trade, but they have to get these guys. Frank, we're not talking about the Oilers getting Matthews. If if the Oilers get Austin Matthews, the majority of NHL fans will quit and the league will fold. (laughs) That's going to happen. That's a fact. I won't watch hockey again if they get Matthews. Mark my words. I'll just quit it. I'll burn my jerseys, and I'll just say the whole thing's rigged. Who gives two rips about this? I don't want Edmonton to get him, but I don't. I'd rather they get him than Calgary. Right, if Calgary so gets him, Calgary. I'm going to probably, I'm well, going to Cal- snap. Calgary's but, odds are tough, but but it but it would make for a good matchup between the Matthews led Flames and the McDavid led Oilers. Well, the thing of, here's my thing about the Oilers: other teams are getting better too. You know, like the Central is still very tough to win in. And yeah, I mean, Ducks- I think I think Chicago is going to be coming down here at some point. You got to think. Well, I mean, you're going to hear this later, but I'm calling them for a first round loss, and I have been for months. Well, sure, but I mean, I yeah, but they don't have to make it in in the central. They can make it in one of the wild cards. I mean, they're going to be better than Nashville. Nashville is a small market team. They don't, they they have a a, a mid range top line center. He's a big guy, but he he doesn't match up against those other big teams. And every team's going to have a hard time matching up against Connor McDavid. I mean, you can't match Connor McDavid. There's, he's going to be an elite player. So then, if you have if you have Nuge and Rysidle on your second and third line, that's unreal. It's not I mean, if you, if you can keep three centers for a little bit, why sure. wouldn't you? Sure. So and I don't think it, I'll leave it when I see it. If they don't win, if they don't get Matthews, then I think they should keep both Nuge and Rysidle. Get rid of a winger or two. They'll have depth still on the wing, and the, they're going to be uh, they're going to be set up. Yeah. I mean, you've been eating a lot of like, like how much LSD did they give you at the hospital when they drilled your wrist? Dude, the drugs are the drugs are good, man. Like, I mean, the Oilers are not going to be in the playoffs the, next season. The LSD gives you hope. I'll tell you this though, I do hope they make some changes. In a hopeless dark world, it'd be fun to watch uh, a Canadian team outside of the Habs make the playoffs. So uh, let's we know talk. It's not going to be the Canucks. It's not going to be the Flames. You wanted to talk about another Canadian team. Let's talk about the Leafs. You asked me whether or not the Leafs will make the playoffs next now, year. Now, the reason I did was P.A. Parento was in an interview at the end of the season, and he was asked the same question. He said, uh, whoever was interviewing him said, are you going to make the playoffs next year? And he said, you know what? If we make the right moves, we can make the playoffs next year. And I thought, wow, this guy is full of hope. 
who the hell is P.A. Parento and who gives a crap what he has to say? Well, someone interviewing him, and he's a player on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Two questions answered, two points, Greg. Frank, here's the crazy thing. I think it could happen. Okay, so tell me how this is going to happen. Because the East is so weak. That's how it could happen. Okay, so they, they're going to have to get who is – are they going to draft Matthews? Is that is that the no, way they're going to do it? I don't care how they draft Matthews. They're probably going to get Stamkos. If, if they don't – okay, if they sign Stamkos, then yes, they're going to have a great first-line center. But they have Nazem Kadri as their second-line center. Do you really – do you think Babcock and Shannon even believe in this guy? Well, I mean, the Leafs are really good right now of dressing up their players and, and speaking hope to them. Like, look at the FNUF trade. So you don't know. But I'm saying, with some off-season trades, they're probably going to get Stamkos. We know that. It's looking that way. Then I go, okay, well, what else do they get? And all they have to beat is Boston, who's on their way down right now, Carolina, Ottawa, New Jersey, Montreal is on, on, on the way up, Buffalo, and Columbus. Those aren't very good teams, with the exception of Montreal. And Ottawa's kind of sticky in there, too. I think that they, they need to... Uh, I mean, if they buy their team, which I don't think they will, like they, they yes, they can get Stamkos, but are they going to go out and sign a free agent as their second-line center as well? I, I just think this team's designed to have holes in it at this point. They trade away all their veteran players so that they can get draft picks, and they have a hell of a lot of them. 12 picks in this draft, two in each of the first four rounds, one in the fifth, two in the sixth, one in the seventh, this team is not gearing up to win next year. And Mike Mike Babcock may be a miracle maker, but I don't think that they're. I just don't think that this is in, on their radar. They're not planning to make the playoffs last next year. There's going to be holes in their lineup. They're not ready. They Listen, don't even have a. They don't even have a starting damn goalie. Frank, I agree with you. They're not supposed to make the playoffs next year. The question was, can the Leafs make the playoffs next year? And I'm telling you, they can. Last year, last year. I watched the Calgary Flames make the playoffs in a much stronger Western Conference, and it happened. And we wanted to deny it, but they made the second round, and it happened. And we just still want to deny it, but it happened. And you're telling me that the Leafs can't do that? Okay, flukes happen, Greg, but I'm not talking about flukes and hand grenades. I'm talking about reality here, and I'm saying I don't think they're going to make the playoffs next year based on the trajectory of this club. All right, neither do I. Here's one of the things. Oh, thing I want to now, talk about. now he changes his tune. Oh, like remember the like question could they make the playoffs? I don't think they will, but that's an easy thing to say. The Boston Bruins are in a weird mess, Frank. They have one of the greatest coaches in the league, I argue, in Claude Julian. And I'm hearing that he's going to be out of a job here. Well, they, they shouldn't fire him, but I mean, if he's smart, he's going to not He's going to say, please fire me. There's been some questions about what is going on. Teams are going to line Bruins. up for this guy. With well, this, absolutely. This, this team's stuck in mediocrity. Like, what do you do? Like, they had three first-round picks last year, and in everyone's analysis, they wasted them. Three they, in a row, 15, but- 16, 17, and they butchered them. They butchered it. I mean, they they had a good GM in Shirelli, but Shirelli made some mistakes. You have to give him that. So they got rid of him. They probably should have had a little more patience. They're, they have a great coach. They're going to get rid of him. Uh, I just think that this team is stuck in mediocrity. They need to dis- they need to get rid of a lot of, veter- a lot of veterans. They can't rely. They can only rely on Zdeno Chara for so long. He's gone. He's not. A, he's not a threat anymore. He's slow. He's behind his step. He's Why? not what he was. Getting rid of getting rid of Boychuk, who is a good depth defenseman. Getting rid of Dougie Hamilton, who was was supposed to be the future in Boston. Like 
what like these decisions don't uh, they don't really paint a, a bright future for Thank the Thank you. And I hate to say this against my man who's from New Brunswick, my friend Don Sweeney, from my hometown, St. Stephen, New Brunswick. The guy's losing his mind. Like, this team has no identity and no direction. They trade Lucic, they trade Hamilton, they trade Boychuk, they should have traded Chara to get some high, high value for him, because you know this team's going down. They All still have, have a, is... They still, they still have a bit of a core, and don't forget that they also got rid of, of Seguin for... I don't know. I guess you can't say it's peanuts. They got, they got uh, what's that Dallas Stars guy? Erickson. Erickson. They got Erickson. He's a, he's a good player, but he's no superstar again. No, no, he's not. Like this team has no identity. And I was talking to someone uh, at work who's from Boston, and of course, if if I'm calling you from and you're from Boston, I'm going to bring up either the Red Sox or the Bruins. And this person was a Bruins fan, and even she, before they lost out the playoffs, said, "Yeah." The Bruins aren't having a good year this year, and I'm like, "Oh, you're telling me your team is in no man's land." But they now, were two. They were two points in the playoffs, which doesn't say a lot because the Red Wings are horrendous, and they just made the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. And so is the Eastern Conference. Like the Eastern Conference has one team that we thought was invincible, and we can talk about this later. And they're, by all accounts, not invincible anymore. And then we Basically, go like, who who's left out there? Basically, all these teams have holes in their lineup. Every single one, which is why, well, we can argue this later, which is why there's a good chance they could make uh, or win the Stanley Cup this year. Well, I think I think they're coming out of the East. I don't, I don't really see a, a, another a better option. The Caps? Yeah, I, I don't see anyone challenging them. You're jumping the gun here, Frank. But I, I just want to say one thing that I should have said before. How Have you ever seen... And I feel bad even doing this, but do you ever, have you ever seen a team that has had such a positive environment that finishes 30th in the league? Mike well, Babcock. The Mike Babcock's a pretty good coach. Yeah. And I, I, again, I feel bad saying that because the Toronto media just loves this guy. Like he must be, like I don't know what's going on in in the, these uh, massage parlors, but <laughs> that media loves Mike Babcock. It didn't get has anything to do with just how bad they were last year. Like last year, we watched a, a gutless, heartless, emotionless team go onto the ice every night. People were tossing jerseys, and like it was beyond rock bottom most nights. Well, it's just, it's just compounded throughout the last fifteen years where you've had these management that try to expedite the, the winning formula, or they just do ridiculous things like this John Ferguson guy did in the early two thousands. So, I mean, I think they're just they just see that there's a bright future here, and they're they're smart minds. They they Obviously, Mike Babcock's a smart coach. A lot of people say he's the, the best coach in the NHL. And Shanahan, Shanahan came in there with his reputation that I don't know where he built it, but I, I think he's proved so far that he is a pretty smart guy. Yeah, he's, you know what, the, the Leafs have a bright future, and we'll see what happens with them. Uh, I look forward to watching. I mean, we don't have a choice being in Canada because, I mean, our media just revolves around them. And if, I, think the, I think the media also likes the mafia man, Lou Lamorello. You mean, uh, I listen to Hockey Central every day, and it's funny, Lou Lamorello's doing car commercials. Really? Oh, yeah. I would never buy a car from that guy. I don't trust him. I don't trust probably, him. He'd probably get you get you taken out, rubbed out. By oh, them. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he would. You know, it's like, hey, Lou, I'll buy this from you because I'm scared, but not because I want to. He's got friends in low places. I got friends in, anyway. Hey, should we get into some, like, quick award talk? Sure, let's do it. I'd like to talk about the uh, Hart Trophy. Easy. The, Cal- the Calder Trophy. Okay. And the Norris Trophy. 
And let's start with the Calder. So the Calder, we've got who we got? Three? We have Panarin. Panarin, McDavid, Goss is fair. Goss is fair. There's one more in there, too. Who's Probably Jack Eichel. I mean, I don't know who no, else. Is. He's kind of second. There was someone else who had like was leading them in assists. And so we got Panarin, who's who had an amazing season. 77 points playing along the uh, the brilliant Patrick Kane. The guy, the guy wasn't touched. Uh, and then I've got Connor McDavid, who was second overall in the entire league in points per game. And who's the third one? Goss Bear, who had the clutch. In fact, you could you could argue that he was the key to the the Philadelphia Flyers turnaround of them being in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. When now, he when he came along, like first off, he didn't make the team out of out of out of training camp. He came along, they stuck him on his power play. Everything revolved around him. He started lighting it up. He's a player that can actually get the puck to up to his defenseman. He can skate out of his zone. Good first pass. It's amazing how a player like that can help a team. Yeah, and I think they said like 19 of his goals were either go-ahead goals or game-tying goals. Like just like that's Justin Williams-like clutch. How many goals did he get this year? He got like 14 plus. I'm just looking it up right here. Uh, and I think this guy was drafted in like the third round, 78th overall. 17 goals this year, 46 points. Not a bad, and in 64 games. Yeah, and what a cool, what a cool name too, right? Gostis Bear, like Ghost he, Bear, like come on. It's a weird name. What nationality is this guy? He's got to be First Nation. He's got to be a native guy. I don't know. Whatever it is, it's 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 freaking awesome. So we got him, McDavid, Panarin. Who are you taking, Frank? Well, I'm going to go with uh, Panarin. I mean, 77. Wow. Points. It's. Just, I mean, <sighs> I had your I'm, case for McDavid. That's why I'm saying wow. Well, I'm old school here. I mean, I, I've heard the argument. Obviously, Reese is uh, our hockey brilliant uh, friend of ours. He's made a good argument that McDavid is winning all the metrics. He's he's pretty much at the top of the league when it comes to all like the Corsi and the Fenwick and all that bullshit. But uh, And he's got 48 points in 45 games. But how can you give a, an award to a guy? And this is basically the most viable rookie to his team. That, I mean, that's a way to look at it. How can you give it to a guy? That has only played forty-five games. That means he's he's missed thirty-eight regular season games. Yeah, like and and I'm with it's, you, it's, Frank. It's bad luck. Yeah, I'm I mean, with you. Like if if McDavid had actually played a real season, like there would be no question about it, and he would be the king of all this. But you can't give it to McDavid saying like, you know what? Like you're better, and we all know it. We just don't have the stats to prove it. Meanwhile, Panarin's there crushing out points, giving Patrick Kane the best season he's had uh, in his entire career. And we're going to say, yeah, but McDavid would have had the better season. Yeah, sure. Sure, It's unlikely that McDavid was going to have a second half where he's going to have like 20 points in 40 40 games. I mean, and then finish with like 60 points. That's very, very unlikely. But we don't know what was going to happen. Yeah. He played so few games. There's got to be a cutoff, a mental cutoff where, I mean, if he had played 60 games and he had... 67 points or something then sure that's there's a there's a better argument to make that he's that he had a better year than Panarin and yes we Panarin played with an an MVP player in Patrick Kane this year but McDavid didn't play with slouches either he started the year with uh, Nail Yakupov who's a skilled player played he played with Everly who knows how to put the puck in the net yeah yeah, he didn't play with Patrick Kane but he didn't play with slouches and yeah we'll admit he drew he drove the play. He was a, I mean, he could have had a close. He could have gotten votes for the Hart Trophy for crying out loud if this team would have made the playoffs with him. Wow, like let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Well, I'm just saying, regarding his numbers, like the, here's the gap though. He had a great we've year. We talked about this offline. 
the the NHL Rookie of the Year trophy needs to be changed so that if you're over 21 years old, you're no longer considered a rookie when you enter the league. Panarin's 24. He's played four or five years in the KHL. I I mean, I think that there has to be a, a change at this point. Yeah, so what's the point, Panarin? Like, I come back and I'm 27 years old in the league and I score 400 points. People are like, yeah, you're the Rookie of the Year. Like, what? Like, no, I, I've... I have grandchildren. There's no rookie in that. Four years, four years ago when Panarin was McDavid's age? Actually, sorry, we'll go six years ago when Panarin was McDavid's age? Yes. Uh, McDavid, McDavid would have been 13 years old. Yeah. like <laughs> I like that. Hello. <laughs> you can't compare those things. So I, I, NHL, I'm imploring you, change the rule so it's a proper reflection of who is actually a rookie. Because, I mean, it's just not it's not fair. And in this way, it's like, yeah, Panarin, you win, but... I think it should be like 18 to 21 years old or something. Or or you can make an argument that they can only play two years in a, in a different professional league. There needs to be some changes. Because this, Panarin's taking advantage I'm of saying it. if you're over 21, you're out of it. Grow up so, and be an adult. Okay, so so you're, who are you going with? Are you going with, are yeah, you going with Panarin, Panarin? Or are you going with Goss' Bear? No, there's no way I can't. I can't. I got to pick Panarin. Like I think I think Austin Spears obviously he's a good player, but I'm not, I'm not giving it to him. I think he's still kind of one dimensional. I mean I mean players like him are very important to a team, but uh, but I'm I'm not going with him. Yeah, I'm with you. So who do you like? What was your second one? You did the Hart and what Norris? The Hart and Norris. I think the Hart Trophy is a similar case where we have we have Kane who has 106 points, the most impressive season statistically. But when you look at the underlying numbers, and which I haven't, so I. Can't. I'm not, even cert- I'm not even certain. Funny. But uh, my guess would be that Co- Co- Sidney Crosby is dominating. And Sidney Crosby, if you take away those first 40, you take a second half of the season, the guy had like 60 points. So, I mean, over, I, I guess the point is, is that is Crosby more impressive, just doesn't have the numbers because of his slump at the beginning of the year? You're asking me who should win the heart, who should win the heart trophy. I'm, and my second, my second question would be do you give it to the players who's most valuable to his team yeah that's what you give it that's what it's for right people don't actually vote for it that way so i mean if, if it's most valuable to the team it's hard to actually define whether or not how chicago would do without kane it's so much there's so many hypotheticals okay so if it was if it's truly the player that's most valuable to his team you give it to Carey price because we learned this year that that team is is literally nothing without him that's a great point. Like you don't know how valuable a player is to their team unless they're not playing. Yeah, what's that? And if and if they're not playing, then they're not valuable to their team. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Now, Patrick Kane is probably going to win this award because no one cares when it comes to NHL voting, and they vote for the biggest number they see. The person who should win this award is Sidney Crosby. The Pittsburgh Penguins are the best team in the NHL since January. When, guess who started playing well? Oh, Sidney Crosby. Guess who finished with 85 points for third in the league in points? Sidney Crosby, who people were trading like oil at the lowest price possible throughout the season, saying, this guy's dead weight. Trade this guy. He's washed up. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, by the way, he gets a new coach, and everything turns around, and he is the best player for his team. And guess what? They finished second overall behind the the formidable Washington Capitals. There's to me, there is no arguing who deserves the Hart Trophy. It is Sid, the once was a kid Crosby. 
He's certainly, I mean, there's certainly an argument there that he should win the Hart Trophy based on what you just said. But here's the thing. McMalkin, when Crosby's been hurt, has done the exact same thing. He's held this team up. So who's more valuable? Is is Crosby actually that valuable? That that his team can be competitive when he's not in the lineup? Frank, they're the hottest team in the world since January. Yeah, I mean, I think there's an argument that you can give it to Crosby. Malkin was healthy. Since January, like he didn't I, get hurt. Like I think, I think a counter, I think a counter argument could be where was Crosby in the first half of the season? Yeah, where was he? He, he wasn't was, playing well. Yeah, but he's also under a bad coach and bad systems that didn't benefit the entire team, and they suffered for it. There you go. There you go. Okay, and then you can make an argument. Well, where was where was Patrick Kane for a, a big chunk of the second half of the season? The guy was on pace for like 130 points after probably 30 games. I'll he tell you slumped. where he was. He's it's a, it's tired. A, it's, a, it's a streaky season. He's tired. That's where he is. Yeah. But I'll get tired. into that. So, so we agree. I, I, have a, I have a third candidate. Who? His name is uh, Yermer Yager. <laughs> Again, he didn't put up the points. 65, 66 points in 70-plus games. But this te- the Panthers, when he put up a point, 31, 10, and 6. When he recorded a goal, 18, 2, and 2. Which means... When he wasn't scoring points, they were only a 500 club. Give it to the 44-year-old Yarmer Yager for the win. Great argument. By wow. I mean, great argument. You use numbers, which always helps an argument. <laughs> like, no, there's no chance that Yarmer Yager is the Hart Trophy candidate. Oh, man. The guy eats grits for breakfast he's sold. <laughs> hey, who cares how old he is? It's an argument who's most viable to his team. He's not. Like I just, anyone can Jeremy fill Walker in that top line. To, if he wasn't on that team, you mean Huberto and Barkov are going to pass me the puck and I'm going to put it in the net? Sure. Like Frank, you could sit there and break up points. <laughs> I do think Barkov's the, the straw that stirs the drink on that. The guys, it absolutely. If anyone listening to this podcast has watched the Florida Panthers play this season, and if you haven't, I hope you forgive yourself. Alexander Barkov is an unbelievable talent who, in my world, has gained freak status whenever he touches the puck. He's fast, he's smart, he's huge, and he's oh so talented. I honestly read an article by Larry Brooks in New York. Brooksy. Where he argued that Yager should win the Hart Trophy. Jeepers. I mean, it's cool numbers. The media is pretty slow sometimes. Like, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I agree. Those are some cool numbers. But Barkov is the straw in that in on that team. It is scary. And Ekblad is the straw that stirs the drink the drink on that team. When he wasn't in the lineup there in January, they came off a thirteen game winning streak, then he got hurt. They lost like four or five games in a row. He came back, they continued to win for about four or five games. Yeah, I'm not saying he's not important to that team. I'm just saying I mean, come on. Well yeah, he is important to that team. But I, I, I think I think you make a good argument that there are other more important players on the club. Oh, baby. So I'm going to put that one in the wind column, hey? I think we have a good conversation, though, for the Norris Trophy as well. I think it's a a pretty interesting dynamic. Yeah, so on the way over here, I'm listening to Quite the conversation that has been going on for the last month or two in the NHL about the Norris Norris Trophy. Yeah, so the Norris Trophy, for those of you who are uneducated, it's for the best defenseman. And if you know what that means, let me know. Because apparently no one knows what a defenseman is supposed to do. I would argue the defenseman's job is to help people stop score goals. People think it's about, hey, look at uh, Eric Carlson has put up like freakish points for a defenseman 
uh, in the history of the NHL, which needs to be recognized. And to an extent, I think it does. Like, that's cool. Well done, Eric Carlson. Uh, you are a good defenseman in a sense. Uh, but at the same time, like, are you the best defenseman? Here's the argument, Greg. The fact is, is that Carlson is everything to his team. And I think that's why he plays the way he does. That's why he's involved in almost every goal that they score. He has to play this up-tempo. He has to play this up-tempo game to, to, keep his, to give his team a chance. If he was on the LA Kings, he wouldn't have to play that way. But the question, the, the, the other question is whether or not he can actually play defensively as well as Drew Doughty, who's sheltered on his team. He's, he's got Anzi Kopitar and Jeff Carter up front. He can, he sits back. He only, he has barely any. He has. I heard he has as many points, even strength as Chris Tanev. Chris Tanev. He gets all his points in the power play. He plays a responsible game. So I mean, there's lots of questions there to discuss. But I just don't appreciate. It. I heard in the media. I heard Damian Cox say, hey, "This was his logic for giving his Norris vote to Drew Doughty." He said, "I think it's his turn." He wrote an article, and that was his logic. I think it's Drew Doughty's turn. Rub your stupid bald head with wax and and just go jump in the lake because you're such an idiot, Cox. Frank, I, and I can't, I can't agree with you more. This is a systemic problem with the NHL because the people that are involved in the NHL, from the reporters – to the columnists, to the uh, the anchors, the news anchors, they're all in bed with the NHL, and they're all like people say an old boys club, but like they they're the oldest boys club of all. Like, it's his turn. Like that's not a, that's not any sort of reasoning to give someone an award. That's like the kind of thinking we have in elementary schools now, where everyone gets a participation award because we don't want to offend anyone. Because winning and losing is no longer a thing. Thank you, Damian Cox, for wasting all of our time. Like, that is the most absurd thing. It's his turn? Like, what are you, a principal? <laughs> yeah, it's his laziness. It's pure laziness by this guy. It's, that's what it is. It's like, oh, I got to cast this vote. I don't have a reason. D, D, D. That's kinda, hey, that's kind of cool. Like his the initials Nor- are DD. I'm going to give it to him, Darian the- uh, Drew Downey. <laughs> the Norris Trophy has like systematic problems. To just it just goes to the defenseman that has the best reputation. Essentially, like, ne- it does. I'll never forget they gave the award to Nick Lidstrom near the end of his career, where he, he was like a minus twenty five player. He wasn't the same player he once was. They had better options, but they gave it to him. And I, I remember he he won over. Lubanir Visnovsky, who had a great year, but they didn't want to give it to him because of his reputation of being a soft defensive, def- soft defensively as a defenseman. And that was, was and that was the year, Frank, where I realized the NHL is an absolute sham when it comes to its inner workings and why it will never grow the way it should because it's a great sport. And if you haven't watched it, you should tune in. But it has the, like, this this fungus problem with the people that are in charge of the media and reporting it. And it's disgusting to me that we have to put up with this crap because we all know Drew Doughty's a good defenseman, but like he just gets it because it's his turn. That's we're ridiculous. Gonna, we're going to look. We're going to say, "Hey, Eric, you don't. You know what? You had a great year and you set records, and you're, you know, arguably have one of the best defensive seasons of all time, points wise. But you know what? Yeah, it's Drew's turn. Here's the thing with Drew Doughty: he has never earned the Norris Trophy. 
he hasn't been the best defenseman in a single year, and that's why he hasn't won. There's always been better defensemen. Yeah, and I don't, I don't disagree. Like, and Drew Doughty, especially in the playoffs, he can be unbelievable. Well, we've seen what he can do in the playoffs. We've seen what he does in the 2010, or sorry, 2014 Winter Games. He's the best defenseman on the ice. He's perhaps the best player, but in an 80 game series, or sorry, in an oh, 80 game in an 80 game season, he has to earn it. Which is what the awards are for. They're for the regular season. If people weren't aware of that, it's for the 82 games. And, uh, you know, like after that, it, yeah, it bugs me, Frank. Like when we get into like the whole NHL emails and Bob McKenzie and all these TSN anchors that are, you know, controlling opinions for the NHL's upper brass, it just, it honestly makes me sick. And I go like, what is is even the point of even giving these guys any attention? Because the the whole league is in bed with each other. It's incest. So Bob McKenzie's like buddies with Colin Campbell's what I heard. I never read these emails. Oh, you should, Frank. They're wild, man. I, I really probably should. I, I find this all like all this crap boring. I actually like I like learning about the game and not all this nonsense. But I, you're probably right. I should read about it. So it's just briefly explain, explain to me uh, Bob McKenzie's relationship with Colin Campbell. So in these in these concussion papers that came out, they have to release all the information, like all the emails and all that sort of stuff. And the Globe and Mail actually has searchable PDFs, and so there's like 300 different PDFs of of emails and legislation and all that sort of stuff. And you can see, you know. Bob McKenzie emailing with Colin Campbell saying like, hey, like, why didn't you email me this story? You should have told me. And Colin Campbell bouncing ideas off Darren Dreger being like, hey, what do you think? Or, hey, guys, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go public saying that we shouldn't have fighting in the game anymore. What do you think? And all this sort of stuff. And you realize that, like, there's there's nothing, like, there's no objective opinions in this entire league. Everyone is in bed with everyone. And then you have to think to yourself, when something is being reported, it more often than not means... That, you know, like, there's no, like, real opinion in this. They're reporting what their NHL contacts tell them, they tell them to say, basically. Yeah, and I should know this because they call themselves the insider, and they have this information from the NHL head office, like, uh, whenever they, they shouldn't have it. So there's a leak somewhere, but it's not a leak. It's their friends giving them information. It's everyone just patting each other on the back. And then I go, what is the point? Where's the hope in the world? <laughs> <laughs> like, these guys are commenting on players in the NHL saying, like, this guy's a douchebag, or, I mean, these are my words, obviously. But, like, even candid things like, yeah, Daniel Carcillo doesn't get it. He'll never get it. I mean, he doesn't. But it's weird to have, like, the NHL brass be so subjective about this sort of stuff. And uh, and just comments about players. And, of course, you know, Greg, or Colin Campbell's all about his son, Gregory Campbell, who, funny enough, won a Stanley Cup off the hands of the NHL referees in Game 7 against the Canucks. Like, come on, you guys. I can't respect a league that doesn't respect itself. I got to read this stuff. Oh, it's wild, Frank. It's wild. And you, have, inter- I, you have opinions about their branding, too, and how they don't they don't see a story where there's a story. A great ex- greatest example is John Scott, who's going to you know rest in peace because the story is pretty much done at this point. Well, until the movie comes out. Like, you heard they're actually making a movie about that, right? Oh, yeah. I think Vince Vaughn should play him. <laughs> that would be awesome. He no, like, he was he was saying that he thinks uh, Seagal, Jason Seagal's playing, but I don't know. I think I think it's uh, I think it's definitely Vince Vaughn. I I'll take either one of those. That would be great. I would go and see it. No, the, the NHL has, I believe, like some of the worst marketing in the world because they're so focused on making money in the short term that they have no concept of building their brand for the long term. And I'm not I'm not gonna go into this. You guys can email me about this or call me and I'll talk to you about it. 
But at the end of the day, the NHL cares about making a quick buck, and that's why we're hearing so much about expansion when like the talent level is at an all-time low in the NHL because they want to make $500 bucks now, yet they can't tell the story and sell it in America. And why is that, you guys? You've got a great sport. Well, it's because you don't do anything. Like You just sit there. Ah, I can't. I'm getting fired. That, so- up, Frank. That's, that sounds like the. Uh, that sounds like a government. You know, they they don't they don't look long term. They're just focused on their on the on the short term. Literally, and that's just what it fo- is. focus on their four year mandate. Like, let's tell some stories, you guys. People love content and they love stories. You train your players to be like the worst interviews I have ever heard. And, to be robots. And my favorite players, I will put mute. When they're talking because it's a waste of my time. I would rather sit with my own thoughts and pick my belly button lint than hear these guys regurgitate the same thing. And we laugh about it and say, ha, 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 it's so cliche. But it's it's boring. It's boring. Give me boring villains and give me heroes. I've had enough of boring Sean Monaghan and Connor McBoring. Well, that boring Sean Monaghan Twitter account is priceless. Yeah. yeah we haven't got into that. So, uh, Frank, we're getting a little bit long-winded here, so I want to get into the uh, the playoffs. We got, like, they're set. As of last night, we know what the playoffs are going to be. Uh, and my, I guess my question to you is, one, what, what uh, matchup are you looking most forward to? And how do you see this all playing out? I'm looking forward to watching the Cats and Isles. I'm going to have to watch on my laptop because CBC's broad- broadcasting Caps and Flyers, which... I think would be my number two series. I, I'm still a, I'm still a little bit of a Caps fan. Still have a little bit of a heart for the Flyers. Uh, so those are my two series. I think that uh, L.A. and San Jose will also be a pretty good series. Dallas, Minnesota will be quite entertaining. I could snooze, snooze real hard and just sleep the whole time watching a Detroit and Tampa Bay series. That one's going to be the worst. Yeah, and I mean both teams are beat up real bad. And so we're skipping that one. And it kind of reminds me of, like, the Flames-Vancouver series. Whoever wins that series doesn't have a, a hope in the second round. And so it's kind of like a free pass for whoever wins. But that may be that may be Florida in the second round. But I still think I would take Florida. So should we just – how much time do you got here? Uh, should well, we just fly through this a little yeah, bit or just go, take our let's time? let's go through it. I mean, don't rush, but give me the, give me the good stuff. Let's start off with uh, New York and the Pens. I think it's, that that series is going to be awesome. And, I mean, if you're not – if you weren't listening to the show, the Pittsburgh Penguins are the hottest team in the league since January. Uh, they've got goalie trouble. Marc-Andre Fleury has a concussion. Uh, the Murray got hurt near one of the last games of the season, and he was supposed to be updated today. I didn't hear anything. And so they've got – if you if you watch them play, they've got some puck-moving defensemen now with Daly, uh, Schultz, and, uh, and Latang, And they're fast. And, like, they're dynamic in the sense of – they have these defensemen who are jumping up into this play, and you need to be aware at all times. Meanwhile, the other end of the ice, I've got an underperforming New York Rangers team who are hurt. Like, they're kind of beat up. So you're, it sounds like you're going with Pittsburgh. You don't think that their defense is, is, isn't is too poor? Like, I mean, they have Trevor Daly and Justin Schultz. These are some these are some poor defensemen that maybe shouldn't even be in the NHL. No, I'm telling you this. I'm telling you, I, I have to go with the Pittsburgh Penguins because – they have been on a roll since January, and I've watched them play, and they're playing really good team defense. Like, everyone is coming back into the play to help out, and they look like they're all on the same page, and I can't bet against that. Now, I mean, everyone's kind of beat up. I don't know if Malkin's coming back or where uh, where Bennett is or Fleury or, or Matt or that sort of thing, but I, I, 
if I had money to put on these guys, I would put on the Pens. I think the Rangers are are limp. They've limped into the playoffs, and I think they're going to limp out real quick here. I hope I hope Murray comes back because I mean Jeff Zakoff is a journeyman goalie. He's played thirty. I think he's played thirty five NHL games. He's as he's an average tender, and their defense, as I said, is quite thin. But uh, I mean, when you're going against when you're going against the Rangers, they also have holes on defense, and then their forward cast has a bunch of players that are out of their prime with Eric Stahl and Rick Nash. I'm also going with Pittsburgh. I think I don't think this is a I don't think this is a great matchup. I think the Pens have their holes, but I want to see them get by the Rangers and play the Caps, Caps. in round two. Yeah. That, that would be a, that would be quite the series. Yeah, like and, I mean, Rangers have their injuries: Stahl, Stahlberg, Zuccarello, Girardi, McDonough, and so we'll see. Like it's going to come down to who's healthier in that. Gir- and Girardi's just a big liability on that defense. Yeah, and I'm with going, him on the bench, he's he's better off. So, I'm going with Pitts in uh, six or seven. Yeah, I'm going to go with Pitts in six, and then we're going to skip. Uh, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, we really believe that Washington is going to beat Philadelphia. Even though we love both teams, Philadelphia is a fun team to cheer for. We maybe uh, we can briefly talk about whether or not we think uh, the in- injury riddled Tampa Bay Lightning or the Red Wings get out around wonder. I guess who really cares? No, I like truthfully, I don't. I don't care. I mean, cool to the the Red Wings for making it for the 25th year in a row. Like that is, or the 24th, whichever one it was. Like that that is an unreal statistic, and really you shouldn't be here. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't even care who wins that. Like it, it to me, it's irrelevant. You know, like no no Stamkos. Uh, was it Strawman on defense who got hurt on Tampa? Yeah. And like it, it's just it's an absolute mess. Detroit doesn't belong there. Like the same way the Flames in in Vancouver didn't last year. So. Uh, if, if you're going to spend time watching that series, uh, props to you for one thing. Like that's that's really admirable. But you're wasting your time. Like you know, go eat a tootsie roll or something. They're putting it on CBC, and uh, it's going to be. I agree with you. It's going to be a terrible series. The Wings goaltending's bad. Tampa Bay's injured. I mean, the Red Wings are just a team that's completely over the prime. Their their leading score at 50 points. Yeah, it's like, wild this- to think about. This whole team should just retire, and they should start with their their all their youngsters and just rebuild it. Yeah. I, I, anyway, I'm going with wings and six. I think it's just the injuries are just too much for Tampa Bay. I think Johnson's even hurt for crying out loud. Uh, let's check real quick here. I got Johnson, Kucherov, Callahan, Hedman, Stamko, Strawman, Oland. Uh, that's a lot of names for Tampa Bay. A lot of important names that uh, should be playing. A lot of those are day to day too, so I'm sure they'll be back for the playoffs, but. Uh, I'm going to mix it up, Frank. I actually think that they get past. I mean, they're a better team than Detroit. I think they'll get past. Uh, it'll be ugly. I'll say Tampa Bay in seven. I don't think. I don't think that'll be a big surprise. That sounds fine to me. So we got you got Tampa. I got the Wings. Uh, they're going to play the winner of the Cats and Isles. I do believe. What do you think about this series? We got the Cats, who uh, first time in the playoffs in a long time. They've made the playoffs twice in 15 years. You have an Islanders club who's made the playoffs for two years in a row, but they haven't gotten past the first round since the early 90s for crying out loud. Yeah, what are your thoughts about this series? It's crazy to think about, isn't it? It's, uh, I mean, I've watched a lot of the, the the Cats this year, and they're a lot of fun. I think that the Islanders have some pretty, you know, tough injuries with uh, Anders Lee and uh, Han Hamannick being injured right now, and of course, Halak. I think the Cats are better than everyone thinks they are. Like, they're not there by accident. Uh, they do really well, and they're actually quite healthy right now, uh, assuming that everyone gets back. I mean, they lost Trocek, but he's supposed to be back uh, uh, for playoffs. The, the Cats are rolling three lines, 
and and that's it's fun to watch. Truthfully, uh, it, it's hard it's hard not to cheer for these guys uh, when they throw rats on the ice. So, uh, truthfully, I think this one can go either way. I think the Islanders are an incredibly talented team. They've been there before. The Cats haven't been there for a while, uh, but they did hire some some talent at the end. And by talent, I mean they meet older players like like Ludler, and uh, I don't actually know how old Purcell is, but they got uh, they got Yager there as well. So I think the Cats are geared to go deep into the playoffs this year, and by deep I mean potentially challenge uh, for the Eastern Conference Championship. Uh, so I got to pick the Cats. I'm going to say the Cats do it in seven. They don't take the easy road. And uh, and there's heartbreak in, in the Islanders. They just don't seem to have it together as a team. Uh, they got the talent. Hamnick's moving out next year. What do you think, Frank? I think it's a good matchup for the Cats. I mean, this is going to be a wide-open series. If you've watched the Cats this year, this team will get up to a 3 nothing lead against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they'll, they'll things will get interesting in the third period. They'll give up two or three goals. Game will go to overtime. If they're lucky, they'll win. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be back and forth. But Thomas Grice is the goaltender for the Isles. Thomas Grice, not exactly a starting goaltender, but he's going against the head case Roberto Luongo. But you got to think Roberto Luongo can outplay oh, Thomas Grice. These are you gotta, old you gotta scars. Think so. hey, old scars coming back, Frank. You're telling me this. Uh, <laughs> the, the latest news on on Yaroslav Halak is that he was actually skating in pads on Thursday. So I wouldn't be surprised if he makes makes a uh, an appearance in that, and that could switch it for them if he comes back and he's healthy. Uh, he, well, he's been known to steal a couple of games. Fluongo can just keep his head in the game. I mean, he should be able to outplay even Halak. I think they're. I think they're both. I think I think on paper Halak's an average, a more average goalie than Luongo. Uh I mean, obviously, the big thing with the Cats is they're they're an inexperienced club. They have they have, as you said, a few very experienced players with Hoodler, Yager, Willie Mitchell's going to be in the dressing room, not playing. Campbell's the Stanley Cup champ with Chicago. But at the same time, these young guys usually have to they have to learn how to win. But uh perfect matchup for the for the Isles and because uh I want them to win for Reese, I'm going with Cats in seven. And and, and part my heart kinda says that the, that the Cats are gonna skip a step, kinda like the uh, Chicago Blackhawks did under Dave Talon in two thousand and eight in their first I think it was two thousand eight or two thousand nine in their first uh, run where the Hawks made it to the Western final. So I'm saying Cats in seven, just like you did. Yeah, Cats in seven, and uh, it's the Cats to lose, I would say. Uh, the Islanders, I just, I don't know. They should but I mean, I mean, we wouldn't be surprised either way. Hey? I mean, the Cats, as I said, I think they're a pretty volatile team. They're a team that can lose leads. They have to learn how to lead. Learn yeah, how to both these teams. So I mean, so I think they're happy with this matchup. Either way. Yeah, and you could argue that the, that the Islanders tried to throw it to get to the the Florida Panthers. So we'll see. Uh, I, would, we'll, I wouldn't be disappointed, honestly, if, if the Islanders won. I like the Islanders. No, well. I like both teams. I like both teams. I think that, yeah, to me, they're, they're, it's a really good matchup, and I'll tune in and watch. Uh, Philadelphia-Washington. Washington, Like I think we both agree this is their series to lose. We love Philly. We respect Washington and have a lot of fun watching them. Uh, but if Washington doesn't win this series, and people talk about how well Philly matches up against uh, Washington. Washington, I mean, Philadelphia is a one-line team. Uh, we're aware of that. They're down their goalie that got them there. Uh, and uh, Steve Mason has been playing well, but I just can't see Washington uh, coming this far to lose to Philadelphia, who, who, who you know, congrats to them made it to the playoffs. But I, I'm calling uh, Washington five. I actually think that the Flyers are better than 
a lot of people think. I think that their depth up front is better than they get they get uh, credit for. Uh, Shen is having one of his best years. He's yep. having his best year. He's, he's got what almost sixty points. He's having a great year. They also have Couturier, who's a versatile player, can play in the second or third line. He's having a career year. He's only played sixty games. But here's the, here's the difference. I think that. The Caps just have depth in every single position, and they have better goaltending than Neuvert or Mason Holtby. I think he's one of the best. I honestly think he's a good goaltender. I think their depth on defense is superior. I'm calling the Caps in uh, in a sweep. Sweep, okay. Uh, and I'm with you on that. Like the Caps, it's it's theirs to lose. So let's head over to the West, Frank. Uh, the West is to me, it's quite boring. If I'm being really honest, let's start with Chicago, St. Louis. The only matchup that I'll be watching in the West. Uh, and I've been calling this for, I would say, three months, if you've been listening to the past podcast. Chicago, to me, looks tired. And they've looked tired to me for a long time. And that is why I actually firmly believe that St. Louis, in seven games, finally gets past these guys. Uh, and you know, some of my statistics back it up. The Chicago Blackhawks haven't beat a Western Conference team since early February. They've gone oh. Eight and six in that time frame, and to me, they're limping into the playoffs. They're tired. Uh, they still have the talent that they could win, but you know what? The gravy train's over, and St. Louis, who is going to be healthy in the playoffs for the first time potentially all season, uh, will win this series and go to the Western Conference Final because of it. Dude, I think that Chicago kind of can mail it in the regular season to an extent, and then as soon as the playoffs come. They turn it on. That's what happened last year, if my memory serves me correctly. And here's here's uh, here's what I think is a problem with St. Louis is their goaltending. They can they cannot get good goaltending in the playoffs. Elliott, he's having another great regular season, a 9.30 save percentage, the league best. Remember that a few years ago when he played about 45 games, he had a 9.45 save percentage. Oh yeah. But what is his career save percentage? 8.97. 8.97. That's subpar. That's that's a losing goaltending. But I mean, and Crawford. He's only played one game in the last month. He may be rusty to start the playoffs. Can Darling get them through? There's lots of question marks here. Uh, but that being said, I cannot root. I cannot pick St. Louis over Chicago. I but refuse to. I've, I've wanted St. Louis to win. I've wanted them to turn the corner, but I've, I've given up on this team. They're better than they were before. They have more goal scoring. They have, they have uh, what's his, uh, Tarasenko is probably a piece that they really needed up front. They have Stasny added to that club. They're better than they were three or four years ago. What uh, What are you going to buy me when they win? Uh, what do you want? Uh, I want. Uh, I'll a buy nice... a couple Big Macs. Yeah, sure, I'll take that. Two can dine for eight ninety nine. Ten forty nine, I think it is now. So uh, uh, I'll take that. So I'm going with Hawks and six. You picked uh, St. Louis and how many? And seven. And uh, you made some good arguments, but uh, I mean, logic kind of goes out the window with these guys. I think. They, I mean. <laughs> A lot of these, a lot of these playoff series. I mean, they always come down to like these these big moments. And who's there? That uh, rapist Patrick Kane. That's funny. Uh, that's not funny. <laughs> uh, Minnesota Dallas. I'm going to take Dallas. Uh, they've been great all year long. They won the Central Division. Props to them. They deserve a team like Minnesota, who's been underperforming and just like laying on the back of Devin Dubnik to, to haul them through uh, to get where they are. Dubnik, 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 Like I don't think the Minnesota has a shot in uh, in the dark at at beating the Dallas Stars. I mean, Dallas plays wide open, granted, and Minnesota plays a pretty sound defensive game, so they they can lull them to sleep. 
and squeak by that way. That's definitely potential. But uh, Dallas has been better this year defensively. That's why they won uh, the Central. And I just think that Dallas is way too much firepower. Like, I've watched Dallas play some games this year, and they absolutely annihilate teams offensively, and they just don't get the bounces. And I can just see one of these series going their way, and they just crush a team. So I'm calling Dallas in, uh, Dallas in five in this one, Frank. Okay, I mean, the Stars have one of the best four checks, maybe the best, not the best four checks, but they have the best offense in the NHL, most goals scored. But their goaltending, their goaltending is probably the worst in the whole NHL. And guess what? They're spending more money than any other team. Well, you got two, you got two name brand goalies there in Letton and, and, and Niemi. Like, that's going to happen. They're, they already had Letton, who they knew stunk. And then they're like, oh, let's sign another subpar goaltender in Anti Niemi. Yeah, but how can you argue that it didn't Toughest division in hockey. It's it's still a hole on their team. I mean, you want to have good goaltending, do you not? Do you want to not play good defensive sound hockey? Has it ever been a reputa- Has there ever been a team in the recent years where playing fire firebrand up and down hockey has been a way to win? Is that no? But it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that they're not going to win. Like they won the central, they can win again. And and Sagan is he healthy? Yeah, have, he's gonna, have I think heard? he's going to be back. I think he's going to no, be, be back. And, and, but but here's 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 the problem. Minnesota is pretty bad. They have the second worst goals for any of any playoff team. Their PK is 27th in the league. Their their power play is middle of the pack. This is an average team. So yeah, I'm going with Stars and six. But I if there's going to be an upset, I wouldn't be surprised if Mini just plays the shutdown Brown and Hockey clutch and grab. The refs don't call the penalties like they like to do in the playoffs. I think that Minnie's going to win a couple games here. Stars okay. and six. Stars and six. Okay, what do you got here? We got King Saint San Jose. You were excited about this one, you said. Well, I think I think it should be a good series. I mean, last time these two teams were in the playoffs, San Jose was up three nothing and blew it. Yeah, that's what it was. They got they got something to prove here. And they, you know what? To San Jose's credit, they've been good all year. They finished uh, third in the Pacific. They had a good run at it, and they get no credit. They get Thornton. I think Thornton's fourth in points in the league this year, and Pavelski's sixth. No one talks about these guys. Like no one gives two rips about the Sharks because we all expect the same story we've had for the past seven years, which is a talented team that's just not good enough. I mean, I love them. I love for them to surprise, but I mean, the Kings are one of the best teams in the NHL. They lead the league in Corsi or a Fenwick Strong, whatever the hell that this underlying numbers are. Anyway, they're one of the top possession teams in the NHL. But uh, I mean, I think they're in San Jose's head. I mean, there's no reason to believe that San Jose is going to be able to beat the Kings. They're just, I think, they're, I think that they don't have a chance. Okay. So, what are you saying? I mean, and, and the Kings have proven goaltending. They've, they're proven all the way around. I'm going Kings in six. Okay, I'm going San Jose in seven, Frank. I I believe that the quiet San Jose Sharks will get by a uh, an LA Kings team who just has been up and down here near the end of the season, just trying to do what they did last, not last year, but two years ago, just kind of walk into the playoffs and they have been playing pretty sluggish, I agree with you there. Yeah, and I just think that it's going to cost them. The San Jose Sharks have nothing to lose hockey. No one expects anything of them, not even their own fans. And I think that they'll get their revenge finally this year uh, and lose next round to the Ducks. All right, so we got uh, San Jose going up against the Ducks. So you already said you're, gonna, you're going with Anaheim beating Nashville. Yeah, so, Nashville, welcome to the playoffs. It won't last long. Hope you have fun. Anaheim compl- in five. I completely agree. I think this Anaheim team is the best that they've had since 2007. They're no longer a running gun team. They finished the, they finished with the best goals against in the NHL. Yeah, like that is they a also huge finished, 
with the best penalty kill and the best power play in the NHL. You're right. This is this is a different team than last year. Yeah. This, Let, wake up, year, Western Conference. These aren't your mother's ducks. And they're they're uh, second in the NHL in possession, right behind the LA Kings, which we know that says something. Four of the last eight teams to win the cup were right at the top. Were number one in, in those uh, underlying numbers. So I mean, they've they've improved. Yeah, they have it's hard it to takes, deny it. They have what it takes to beat LA in Chicago. The question is, will they do it? And I, I mean, I'm not impressed by Nashville. I mean, I th- I think their defense is is probably better than Anaheim's on paper. They have a, a great defense, but they're their forward cast. Does Johansson line up well against Getzlaff or Kessler? No. Like, I mean, Nashville is one of those teams where it's like, you, you get some you get really strong pieces, and you're a good hockey club, but we all know that you're just not good enough to win. I mean, could they surprise us? Uh, honestly, not against the Ducks. If it was I a different team, I would say potentially they could, but the Ducks this year and right now are playing some of the best hockey uh, you may have ever seen. I don't think it's going to be a close series. I think Rene's not as good a goaltender as he, as he once was. I think he's over his prime. Gibson's a rookie. And uh, so, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Gibson. Well, he sometimes, last he just, year. sometimes he just looks too relaxed in there. Uh, it was two years ago he actually played a few games yeah. in that series they lost against the Kings. But, uh, I mean, Gibson falters. They can always just go with Anderson. Anderson made to the Western final last year. I don't think goaltending is going to be the problem for Anaheim. I'm saying Anaheim I, I, in I, four. Uh I don't think it's going to be a close series. Uh, I th- I'm pretty sure Na- Nashville will probably win a game. I'm going. Uh, I'm going with Anaheim in five. Okay, and I, so- I mean, I, I'm actually with you now. I think that Anaheim. I think Anaheim can, is going to win the West. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, if you're listening to our podcast and you hear me, because I'm I'm usually right about these things. Uh, I called Anaheim in the in the Cup final uh, months ago. Months ago, I saw it coming. Uh, and so I, I'm going to toot my own horn here for a little bit. So I'm going to walk through my Western Conference. Well, they still need to do it, Craig. I'm going to walk through my Western Conference here. So I've got Dallas moving on. I've got St. Louis moving on uh, and playing each other, which would be a great series. Like They played each other all year long. Two teams that have just been starving for second-round action. Uh, I actually have St. Louis going to the, the West Final from there. And I've got San Jose playing Anaheim. And I've got Anaheim winning quite convincingly in six. I've got Dallas winning in, I'll say, seven. Or sorry, excuse me, St. Louis winning uh, in six, six or seven. And then I have a, a great matchup, which would be fun to watch. Uh, St. Louis versus the Ducks. It'd be a great physical series. Uh, there'll be some speedy teams, some good goaltending. And then I have the Ducks moving on to the cup final. Oh, I, I like that. I mean, I have it a little bit different. I have Anaheim's probably going to beat L.A. in the second round. And Chicago will be playing against uh, Dallas in the second round, and they will beat Dallas for sure. For sure. So we have Chicago against Anaheim. Anaheim's going to have to beat those demons to get over Chicago. Uh, now we go to the that East. Would be awesome, Frank. Now we, I would now, love that matchup too. That kind of scares me. I mean, I think Chicago gets that far. I mean, I think it's all. Who knows what's going to happen? I would almost want to put my money in Chicago at that point. But I'm sticking with what I said. I just have a my gut feeling is that Anaheim and my gut feeling and along with the stats show that Anaheim's a better team this year. Chicago they've never repeated. There hasn't been a repeat since the 90s. Yeah, so I don't wild. think there's any anything crazy about saying that Chicago's just not going to have it this year. 97, 98 uh, Red Wings. It was. I could even see Chicago losing the second round against Dallas. Or the first uh, round, like I called, but whatever. <laughs> well, I'm sticking with what I think there. Uh, in the East, I'm going to quickly go through my picks. So we have uh, – I have Pens over the Rangers. So they'll play Washington in the second round. Washington beats them. They make the East final. Tampa Bay 
will uh, – I actually I picked the Wings, sorry. The Wings will play Florida in the second round. Florida beats Detroit. They make it play into the Eastern final, sorry, and they play against the Caps, and the Caps are going to win in probably four or five games. Caps, Ducks, Ducks win in the Sonic final. Boom, Frank. I'm going to I'm gonna walk through my East here quick. So I said uh, Florida moves on, Tampa Bay moves on, Washington moves on, Pittsburgh moves on, the top two from each division. Uh, I've actually got the Pittsburgh Penguins upsetting the Washington Capitals uh, with a healthy Malkin coming there. I mean, there's no excuse for that to happen. I'm just going to call it while it is. Uh, Florida gets a pass on Tampa Bay. Uh, they'll walk through that series and be healthy, waiting for the winner of the Pittsburgh Penguins and Florida Panthers. I do have the Pittsburgh Penguins beating the Florida Panthers, just playing more structured hockey, and uh, the Florida or the Pittsburgh Penguins being wiped out by the Ducks in the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, one one more quick comment: uh, Pittsburgh Penguins are the, according to the stats I looked at today, they are the top Eastern team when it comes to the uh, the uh, underlying numbers of Fenwick and Corsi. Frank, I know my stuff here. So the only upset there would be Anaheim being, or sorry, Pitt, LA's number one, Anaheim's number two. So we're, we're making sense here. We're, our our uh, our eye test for these teams is pretty accurate to uh, how they're actually playing. It's it's why I have the mic. Uh, I don't deny that. So I mean, I'm looking forward to some good hockey teams. I mean, what bugs me about this is, you know, I have throwaway series like Tampa Bay and Detroit. Uh, meaning whoever plays them in the second round gets a pass to the third round. And I hate uh, free passes. So I look forward to the West uh, and seeing some of those teams have to battle it out. And that's why I think that whoever wins the East has a chance of beating the Western team because, I mean, we all know this game. Whoever stays healthy the longest has the best chance to win. And there's a good chance some of those Western teams could be beat up moving into the Stanley Cup final. Well, I can see the Capitals beating the Ducks. I think that would be a good series. I I think the Caps... I mean, you didn't pick the Caps to make it, but I think the Caps are the best Eastern team has been in since Boston. I mean, a lot of these other years, there's just there was New Jersey in 2012, 2013. It was the Rangers. 2014, no, 2014 was the Rangers. 2013 was Boston. Boston was a decent team, but there the Eastern teams have usually made it to these finals, and they've been almost an afterthought. They've been the underdog, and they series haven't been very close. I think that I think the Caps are an all-around team. I think they'll be competitive in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, the, the one difference I'll take about the uh, the Boston team that won in 2011 versus the, the Caps is the Boston team walking into it, you knew that they were a gritty, kind of a mean team that played kind of a bigger Western Conference style, and I don't feel that about the Caps. That being said, I mean, this is the Caps' cup to lose. They're the best team in the East by uh, a country mile, and there's no reason to say why they shouldn't win, uh, and that makes me nervous. I think the, I think I think the Caps are playing an all-around game. To be honest yeah. with you, I mean they're t- lead, led the league in goals for, led the league in goals against, and they're and Anaheim is a great team. We're, we're picking to make the final. They're all they're an all-around good club. Their defense is strong, but their defense is a patchwork defense. They don't have a stud that's going to maybe be able to shut down Alexander Ovechkin. So well, I mean, sorry, stud on the other side. Well, they also probably have a patchwork defense, but uh, okay. Yeah, I don't. I I have I've, I've never seen these two teams play against each other. I mean, the question is whether or not. Um, I mean, they're the the all around game, the all around defensive game. Who has the best? Who 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 can do it best? I'm not sure. I I, I mean, I I would say that Getzlaff can intimidate some of those guys on the team, maybe a Kuznetsov. But if Ovechkin's not going to be intimidated by anybody. No, Ovechkin would just love to be in the dance, and and I I, I would just love that series. I think that would be a great series for for all uh, viewers. So, 
And you got to hope that it doesn't get too, too uh, outside of the perimeter. Like the, the the game doesn't become a perimeter game. Last year when the Caps played the Rangers, they were up three one, and man, was that just an ugly, ugly hockey. So so little space out there, hard to actually get any good opportunities. Ho- hopefully the the refs let these teams play. Yeah, I mean, refs don't screw it up like you did in 2011 when you let the uh, Boston Bruins beat up the Vancouver Canucks to win the Cup. I won't bring those scars up again, Frank. I know those those still sting. Frank, this is our our longest podcast of all time. It was like an hour and a half. Yeah. Good Lord. We nailed it. Shut us up. So I want to say thanks to all the fans for making it this far and tuning in. Uh, We look forward to watching... Uh, the Stanley Cup Finals. We may or may not uh, skip another podcast in here before the Stanley Cup Finals, just to kind of talk about, well. yeah, to talk about the the draft lottery would have happened by then, and th- what's happening, and what's going to happen in, uh, you know, did Drew and make it some of the storylines and that sort of stuff. So we want to say thanks uh, for tuning in. I'm Greg Moore. That's Nathan Frank. Uh, this is the Plus Minus Podcast, and you're all part of the family. Toodaloo.